With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane. Today I'm joined by PA's Andy Newport and Gavin Berry of the Daily Record and Sunday Mail. Guys, welcome. How are we doing? How are you doing, Johnny? Good, good, thanks. Yep, Scott McDermott is on holiday, earning a well-deserved uh, rest. Uh, I believe he's taking up golf, so he may be hitting a, a few shots as we speak. But I think he'll be back with us soon. Right, we've got a lot to discuss today, not least the release of Rangers Castor strips yesterday and a subsequent press release from the club regarding speculation over the relationship with Sports Direct. We've got to drill into the detail on that. There has been reports that Jake Hasty is on the verge of a return to Motherwell. We'll assess his Rangers career so far and ask what he could benefit from uh, going out on, how he could benefit from going out on loan again. We'll talk about the youth reshuffle that's taken place and answer a couple of your questions. Okay, guys, well, we'll go straight to the, the meaty story from last night, which was surrounding a social media post from Sports Direct claiming they had uh, exclusive access to Rangers kits from the 1st of August. Uh, Ranger, this obviously set the cat amongst the pigeons on online. Rangers fans uh, furious given the relationship previously between the club and Sports Direct, but the club came out with a statement that addressed, I think, a va- the vast majority of the issues coming from this. Andy, what was your take on it? I, th- I think Rangers fans uh, were well within their rights to to be concerned uh, when they saw Sports Direct sort of creeping back into the conversation, given uh, what the club has been through over the last sort of. 10, 10 years with, with that particular company. Um, there was, you know, obvious concern uh, given that the supporters thought that they, they'd sort of get rid of Mike Ashley and his business uh, once and for all uh, this summer. Um, but looking at it from, from Castor's point of view, I mean, I, I don't think it's really in their interest to, you know, disengage with what's effectively, you know, Britain's biggest high street sports retailer. Um, they're a, a growing company. They, they obviously want to sort of try and break into the, the upper echelons of that sort of sports retail market. They want to take on Adidas, Nike. So they really need to keep a, a company like Sports Direct on side. So there's no point from their perspective of going out and sort of falling out with, with Mike Ashley. This is Rangers' fight. Uh, End of the day, it's down to, to Rangers and their supporters how they how they deal with Sports Direct if they're going to be selling their strips. Um, I think it could have been handled better. I think it'd be a bit of a forewarning, um, you know, whether it be a, a line in a, a press release or a, a steer giving it a journalist off the record, just to or even supporters groups just to advise that this might be something that, that could have happened. That might have, you know, helped ensure you didn't get the sort of panicked reaction we, we sort of saw on Twitter last night, but. Generally speaking, they, you know, from the way the club are and then Castor are making out, this is a, a deal that is still exclusively beneficial to Rangers and Castor. 
if Sports Direct want to sell the strips, that's fine, but they have to go through Custor to get their hands on them, and the profits still go back to Rangers in the end. And in the day, it's down to Rangers fans themselves to decide where they spend their money. Do they want to spend their money direct with the club, in which you would imagine they would get a larger share of the the profits, or do they want to buy from a third party like Sports Direct, who, let's be honest, have done very little that has benefited Rangers over the last decade? Yeah, you're right, Andy. The, it was the word exclusive that really set alarm bells ringing here. This is what set Rangers fans into a panic. And it was a shame because of the timing of it. You know, day one of the strip launch, and, and it had been going so well. And, you know, just to come out, I think that kind of halted probably people mm. who were maybe buying the strip online yeah. when that news broke. And it just kind of, it's, it's set a cam amongst the pigeons. And, and let's be honest, I mean, that's what probably Mike Ashley's looking for. You know, yeah. it, it, he probably just loves playing games and toying yeah. with people, you know. It, it, it struck me as much of making, it struck me that it was yeah. supposed to right just wanting just to, and Mike Ashley just wanting just to have a wee, you know, as you say, toying with the Rangers support. That's which, exactly, the spectre of Mike Ashley's been hanging yeah. over the club for so long, and then we heard, you know, when James Bisgrove used the, you know, the words clean slate, mm-hmm. you know, when he announced that, you know, before the Castor deal was struck, that was music to the ears of the, the Rangers fans, so to see that again, like to see that, and it, as you say, Andy, it's up to the Rangers fans to then. I, I think sports that X talk in the Rangers strip, you know, Rangers fans wouldn't have a problem with that, but I mean, they, they just won't simply won't buy from sports mm-hmm. direct. I mean, but exclusive that was the that was what really was the alarming word. Andy, do we have any clarity on that exclusive aspect on it? Well, certainly, Rangers released a statement last night that effectively made out that the only exclusivity exists is between Rangers and Castor. Um Castor have the right obviously to to distribute the kits um through third party stores is is the word. I mean in the day if Castor want to you know Castor have got ambitions to become a major player. They want to one day be stocking, you know, English Premier League kits throughout the country. They're not going to fall out of sports direct just because Rangers are falling out with them effectively. But um you know, Rangers were pretty quick when this all sort of blew up last night to get a statement out that made clear that end of the day the beneficiaries of this deal still firmly remain Rangers and, and Castor themselves. Yeah, that's it, Gavin. At the end of the day, Rangers fans have a, now a choice to make. You can buy yeah. from the superstore, you can oh, yeah. buy from online, you can oh, buy yeah. from other retailers, that, that, or you can and go that, and buy from Sports Direct. And that's a decision they'll have to make. I mean, I'd be amazed if Sports Direct sell one Rangers shirt, you know, I mean, given the relationship between the fans and them. Now, if Mike Ashley wants to buy, you know, you know, 10, 20,000, then that's fine, you know, but because the money will be going back to Rangers eventually. Um, but I, Rangers fans have a choice to make. I think they'll be buying online. They'll be buying direct from the club. Uh, they won't be, um, they won't be going to Sports Direct. The thing about the exclusive, um, you know, that... The reason that was so worrying was, I mean, I think we've seen it in the past. Did, Scott, did Scotland not do it with JD Sports? I don't even know if they still do, but I remember there was a time when you could only buy the Scotland shirt from JD. So the, the, these partnerships aren't that uncommon, you know. But 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 Rangers, Rangers, Rangers had one themselves during the, the Murray era. I think it was with JBB oh, or yeah. JJB back back yeah, in the day. So, so yeah, so. So, so, so I think that was the problem. I mean, had that been the case, I mean, Rangers fans would have been well entitled to say, God, the, the wool has been pulled over our eyes here because you would have to have been up front with that. And, you know, when the, the when the Bean brothers did their round of interviews, you know, at the outset when this deal was struck, 
you know, they specifically said there was there was no involvement here with Sports Direct. So I think it would have been it would have been daft had that been the case and the club hadn't been clean on that. So it's, yeah. it there's just, no question of that. So, 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 that, so that's uh, what I'm saying. They, they wouldn't have been they wouldn't have been as daft to do that, knowing how toxic the relationship is between the fans and Sports Direct. So it's as we said, get touched on. It was just me casually seen as it was one last chance to play games. They don't, they don't sit as natural bedfellows, Custor, when you know their usual gear flogging jumpers for like 160 quid versus Sports Direct, who are punting Donny socks for three pounds for for five pairs. You know what I mean? So. Uh, they don't seem to me as being uh, two companies that would naturally sit together, and so I think that Rangers fans can be sort of reassured by by that fact. Yeah, but forty thousand plus sales of the shirts yesterday for Castor—that's uh, another incredible sign of of how much the Rangers fans are backing uh, the team at the moment. Gav, it's... on the back of season ticket sales that are that are through the roof, it's quite incredible, isn't it? As I've seen words, astonishing, outstanding today, all of them unbelievable. <clears throat> because Especially when it's £60 a pop. Well, exactly. And in the current climate, we're in the middle of a global pandemic here. I mean, you know, people are losing jobs, you know, wage cuts, money's tight. You know, and, and the, you know, a lot of these things, if you were sitting down as a family and going through your finances for the month and you say, well, something's got to go, you know, season tickets and and, and, and shirts at that kind of price would be the, what you'd be think would be first to go. So unbelievable numbers. Um but as, I mean, as Barry Ferguson says in his his daily record column today, I suppose what comes with that is pressure. You know, there's a real pressure because of that expectation ahead of, you know, arguably the biggest season in the club's history. But listen, you would rather have that expectation and belief and support than not have it. I mean, despite not winning, you know, a trophy in his first two seasons, the fans seem to be right behind Stephen Gerrard. Um, and it's important they get off to a kind of a, a good start because they want to build and ride on that momentum. Absolutely. Now we're going to move on to some transfer news, and uh, it's been reported that there are a couple of clubs in the Premiership that are interested in Rangers winger Jake Hasty. Of course, he signed on a free transfer uh, at the end of his contract from Motherwell uh, towards the uh, well at the end of last season. And uh, he's not played an awful lot of games, went out on loan to Rotherham, had an explosive start, three goals in three games, but then drifted out of the team and after 14 appearances, returned to Ibrox uh, at Christmas time. So, uh, Andy, you look at this deal, potential deal, and the clubs that are involved, Hearts, Motherwell, uh, a return to his former club potentially or go to the Jambos and make an impact in what looks set to be the championship. Obviously, something crazy could happen in this court case that, that would throw that all up in the air. But would these be the kind of moves that would uh, make sense for Jake Hasty and allow him to grow into potentially becoming the kind of player that could come back and make an impact at Ibrox? He, he is now 21, so he's no spring chicken. He needs games. Yeah, I mean... I can see benefits of both potential moves. I mean, Motherwell obviously playing a higher level of football, you know, aspirate, well, obviously European football as well, potentially. Um, well, they do have European football and they'll be, they'll be going again for that this season. Going back to a place where he's he's been at before, he'll be comfortable, he'll know the surroundings. So that's an obviously plus, plus point for him as he, as he weighs up his, his future. Or, or I think the other club's hearts, obviously, they've been touted with a, a move from him. 
Um, there's a greater sort of level of demand uh, when you play at Tynecastle, especially with them being a division down now, they'll be expected to go and win that championship. Um, so that's perhaps you know a better, in a sense, grounding for them in terms of making the move to Rangers, where obviously you, you, you go into a dressing room and you've got a lot of big names and you're expected to perform week in, week out. So, I mean, it, there's, there's plus points with, with both moves. Um, I suppose from Stephen Gerrard's point of view, He'd rather see him playing at a higher level um, in order to gauge that he is, he is ready to return to the first team. But although, for thinking back to the, the two performances, he, the two games that he played for Rangers before he was he was farmed out to Rotherham, I mean, he, he looked quite a, a far bit off being ready to be a regular on this Rangers team. Looked, I remember the St. Joseph game at Ibrooks. Looked really, really raw that night. You could sort of look... Nervous as well, um, obviously quite understandable, his first game at Ibrooks in front of a big crowd, but he looked quite a wee bit off what was required of a Rangers player. Um, I remember speaking to, to guys at Motherwell, um, sort of behind the scenes, uh, when the move first got touted, and to honest, they were quite surprised that the Rangers had taken a gamble on him, because they just didn't think that um, he was quite perhaps there yet. Um, so um, perhaps you know I think he's still got a lot of work to do before he can convince Steven Gerrard that he's he's got a a, a big future at Rangers. You touched on that St Joseph's game. I just I mean I, I remember that night being at that game and it, you say nervous. He, there definitely was nerves there. As you say, it's understandable, but it, it just seemed to be trying far too hard. He was yeah. too eager to impress, wasn't he? he was snatching at things. Yeah. Um, you could tell within the first three or four minutes that this wasn't going to be his night. It was one of those kind of performances, um, which I shame for the boy, but, you know, at the end of the day, to, 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 to make it at Rangers, you need, to, you need to be able to handle those kind of occasions, especially, you know, it's a, a bunch of part-timers from, from Gibraltar. Yeah, I mean, see, with hindsight, Johnny, probably 12 months ago would have been the time for maybe to go back on loan to Motherwell. I know it's easy to see now, but although you, you touched on it, he started well at Rotherham, but then, by the end of it, you know, he was struggling for game time and that's why I come back up the road. And I mean, he then featured in that Challenge Cup game, didn't he, against Inverness? When, you know, I mean, you'd expect him to be ripping it up at that level, but, you know, I think it was, he, he, he never really set the heather and fire in that game, did he? And he ended up being substituted. So, when you, when you mentioned, you know, Jake Heath, he was would, would be one of the topics here. I was looking back at when he signed, and I, I know you've got to talk it up. But, you know, Stephen Gerrard said he was a player who would undoubtedly improve Rangers, so it was high praise and big expectations, but it just it just never ha- happened, and I don't think he has shown enough at all in a Rangers shirt in his couple outings or, you know, since going to Rotherham for that loan spell to, see, to show that what Rangers need, you know? Um um, it's not a gamble though, Gav, is it? Because at the end of the day, a player that age who's already performed like he has in the Premiership, uh-huh. it, it means that he goes on loan, has a good spell, and if the club decide they want to move him on, they're going to get a nice tidy fee. They got him on on a on a, on a free. Uh, there might have been a small development fee that was that was paid to Motherwell. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's one of these deals that if it goes wrong, it's not yeah. catastrophic, is it? Yeah, Johnny, I mean, you're saying a small fee. I mean, a reported £350,000. I mean, you know, it's not exactly, you know, peanuts. Mm. You know, you can't have too many, you know, you'd be expecting more for, for that kind of fee. You know, I mean, it's not as if you're just taking somebody for free and it's a punt to nothing. I mean, £350,000, you know. So I think you more than that. But that's not to say that it won't 
out. I mean, we can't, we're not writing them off exactly yet, but we're seeing that the early signs aren't certainly promising. Yeah, I think that's that's fair comment. It's difficult to get into that Rangers team when you've got Kent and Hadji in front of you. These are both young players, both extremely talented. Um, but there's a number of those guys in the wings. If you look at Jordan Jones, Brandon Barker, yeah. Hasty, none Kent, of them have really yeah. come in and, and set the header alight. And mm. for me, and I've been saying this on the podcast for a long time, Andy, that's the position that Rangers really need to get right if yeah. they're going to make a sustained challenge on yeah. this league. You look at the players that Celtic have in there and the numbers that, that someone like James Forrest produces season in, season out, double yeah. figures for goals, double figures for assists. Rangers yeah. need that, don't they? And yeah. it's not it's not just they need one guy producing those kind of figures. I mean, you, you look at the schedule, if you, if, you, if you heard what Ian Blair was saying over the weekend about the fixture sort of jog, uh, log jam that the potential is going to have next year just to be having to cram so many games into uh, such a s- s- short space of time because of the COVID crisis, because you've got the Euros sort of bookending at the end of the season. Um, the, the, all, all squads are really going to be pushed to their, to their, their max. Um, and so you, it's, I, mean, I know Gerald's spoken about it's not about quantity, it's about quality bringing in, but they need to have the reserves of quality as well because there are going to have to be times where guys are going to be in and out of the team because of injury, suspension, whatever. You're going to have to use your entire squad and what Rangers really need is guys who can come in and back up the first 11 guys. And, you know, in terms of Jake Hasty, it doesn't look like he's ready to, to come in and be that kind of guy who can be reliable. You know, maybe not starting every week, but when given his chance, can come in. Um, that's the challenge, that's the demand of being at a club like Rangers right now. Yeah, the other big transfer link that's emerged today that I think we should touch on is uh, that Everton have been looking at Alfredo Morelos. Now, listen, it's always going to be slightly silly season around this player uh, at the moment, given his numbers last year and the situation that he's in at the club. Now, this link comes from Italian media, uh, Area Napoli. And they're saying that Carlo Ancelotti has identified them as an option. Now, anyone who watches Everton will know they play with a target man with uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So you, you kind of think, well, that, that would actually be a reasonable fit. That kind of makes sense with the way Ancelotti has, has got his team playing, playing that aggressive 4-4-2. Uh, Andy, is that something that jumps out at you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I, do, I do think the relish is... In terms of his game, is tailor made for the Premiership. I mean, that there's a physical edge to it, uh, there's a pace edge to it. That I think would would fit him. Can I see him going to Everton? Perhaps, yeah. But in the day, I think Alfredo Morelos has got a lot of proving to do um, around his, you know, his ability to handle pressure, his ability to to shake off, um, you know spells where he's not at his best um, and I think that might be what has so far put off some of the bigger clubs sort of um, you know taking a punt on him so um, do I, do I think he's got the potential the quality to do definitely but I think you know there might still be a few clubs that are take a wee bit more convincing before they're, they're ready to shell out significant sums like 20 odd million that I think that sort of fee that Rangers would certainly be looking for 
12 months ago, after I think it was a friendly against Oxford, when Stephen Gerrard was asked for probably about the millionth time that pre-season about uh, Alfredo Morello's future, he says, I'm going to get him out here and sit him in front of you guys. And, um, you know, I think he was kind of exasperated with continually answering on behalf of Alfredo Morello's. But, and I think Stephen Gerrard will need to be careful. It doesn't, there's not a repeat of that this summer and this pre-season. You just, you just, you know, there needs to be a bit of clarity, whether it's Alfredo coming out himself or Stephen Gerrard sitting him down saying, I spoke to him, here's the drill, you know. I just think the worrying thing for Stephen Gerrard will be that there's talk, obviously, the, the transfer window being extended just because of the, <laughs> the late starts that a lot of the sort of major European leagues are going to have to go through because of the, the coronavirus crisis. So you're potentially looking at this sort of Morelos you know, will he, won't he go, sort of type melodrama, <laughs> rumbling on you know, into September, October potentially, if, if, if depending on how long this this window is, is allowed to sort of linger open for, so I mean yeah. you know, clarity would be nice, but in the day, I suppose you're, you're sort of waiting on teams down south or, or on the continent deciding is it time that they shelled out for Morelos and you could you know, if they, if they decide to move late then, then that's yeah. the trouble, so I mean, I suppose you can understand if it's a, these bids that all clubs talk about and Stephen Gerrard will talk about, you know, it's just something you just cannot turn down, you know, if it's 20 million or 50 or whatever that figure is, you know. But, in, you know, unless somebody's going to come in with something like that, you know, they, they need to know, A, is, is, does he definitely want to stay and we won't sell for anything more than X, you know. At least then if they know themselves, then you know where you stand. Listen, Gerrard and his presser, uh, earlier in the week, Gav said he scores goals in big volumes and I'm really looking forward to getting him match fit, up to speed and ready to play. But I suppose what you want me to say is whether he'll be here next year. That's the million dollar questions. Yeah. I want my best players here. I've said that many times. And for me, this is the key line. He says, for us to be successful, we need our best players fit, available and out there on the pitch. But you and I know that every player has his price. Mm-hmm. Now, is that 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 line for us to be successful? We need our best players fit, available, and out there on the pitch. Is he saying that he wants Morelos out there, or is he is he sort of bracing the fans for the fact that he's decided that Morelos, with his disciplinary issues, with his temperament issues that he's already alluded to in the past, is a guy that perhaps would be better moved on? You know, I mean, I think he would want to keep him because he's he's central to. I mean, he's central to so much of, of, of what Rangers do. I mean, you look at him when he's on his game, he's kind of unplayable. And I just think that, you know, I can under, I know some people say, oh, we sell him and reinvest it in other areas of the team, but I just don't know how you would replace, you know, I just don't know how Rangers would replace someone like him. I mean, where would you start if you sold him tomorrow, even if he got 15 million? I mean, where would you start in trying to fill that void? It'd be very, very difficult. I think Andy, I'm going to jump in there. I take on board what Gav's saying. I don't disagree, but playing devil's advocate, if Steven Gerrard starts the season and goes through a sticky patch and that coincides with with a Morelos sticky patch, just like what happened at the start of uh, the the post-winter break part Mm -hmm. of the season last year, would would Gerrard not be open to quite severe criticism there because the players already let him down before? And he's not made that critical decision on Morelos at that point. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's easier. That's easy to say. I mean, at the end of the day, 
you've got a guy that you brought in for a million quid whose potential value is you know gone up twentyfold. Um, finding guys like that aren't easy. Even if you say here's twenty million quid, go and reinvest it in a striker. I mean, there's no guarantees. And with all transfers, there's no guarantees that if anything. So. I think there's an element of it's better the double you know uh, with Alfredo Morelos. Yeah, he's got issues that make him a, an interesting character that will have frustrated Stephen Gerrard at times, but undoubtedly what it also has is qualities. So, yeah, I mean, as I was saying earlier on, he's got a lot of proving to do. Yeah, but I mean, if he can do that with Rangers this season, th- then that benefits Rangers and it benefits Alfredo Morelos. So, um, I mean, I think I, I, as much as, I, you know, there's things about Morelos it will undoubtedly frustrate Stephen Gerrard I don't think he'll be ready to to chip him out yet because in the day he's when he's on form you know he's up there with Odson Edward has been the most dangerous striker in the league he's so crucial to the way that Rangers play I mean you see when he's come out of the team the Rangers look a bit lost so you know if they were going to get rid of him they would have to get somebody else in and then pretty much totally transform the way they play or adapt the way they play to, to having somebody else in. So yeah. you know, I, I don't think I don't think it would be Stephen Gerrard's priority at this moment in time to be getting rid rid of what is essentially his talisman. I agree. I, I, yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, Johnny, and when you were playing devil's advocate, there, but what I mean, if you take him out and you start again, it's you know, it's very unless you know, unless Ross Wilson's got somebody there. You know, where they're saying, look, if we sell him, we go for it. I mean, I don't know who that guy would be, but I mean, unless they are really confident against somebody in that could fill that void, then I just don't think you can let him go. Yeah, the big difficulty for me is the way Morelos fits into that side. When you take him out and put in a Jermaine Defoe, it's just not the same because Morelos has so many skills. He's bustling. He can go in behind. He can hold the ball up. He's aggressive. He gives Rangers so much, and they just don't look the same team. And I think on the transfer budget Rangers might have, it's an incredibly big ask to swap Morelos out for someone who gives you the same. I think think the answer to that then is that Rangers need to work harder to develop a plan B. I mean, that's the... You know, they can't be so reliant Mm. upon one player, so they have to... You know, whether that be bringing in guys who give them a different option or who accentuate Jermaine Defoe's skills or... Either that, or you try and get somebody else in who is like a, you know, a poor man's Morelos in that sense. But again, you know, we've, we've spoken about finding somebody that pretty much has everything as Morelos does. You know, he can be, he can hold the ball up, he can be a poacher, he can play in behind, he can come short. Finding those guys are they're hard. It's a hard task to do. But you know, the task isn't just to sit here and go, well, play the blame at Morelos's doors. In the day, Rangers need to find a way. Of adapting when he's not there, either by you know playing playing a style that, that brings the best out of Jermaine Defoe, or getting somebody else in who can come in and try and replicate what, what Alfredo Morelos does. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we're going to move on now to the Ibrox reshuffle around youth development. We've seen Peter Lovenkrantz depart the club, looking for uh, a change in his career. Uh, it seems like a guy who is keen to move into management. Uh, to replace him, we have Kevin Thompson and Brian Gilmore, who will step up to take charge of what Rangers are now calling their B team. Um, and uh, that was obviously previously their their, uh, their, 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 their younger side, their under-21 side. Um, now that will be headed up by Kevin Thompson and Brian Gilmore. Graham Murty 
will be in charge of the Elite Academy development. So he's taken on an overarching role within the Academy, looking at uh, all age groups. And uh, finally, there's a, uh, there's a number of appointments that have, that have taken place, but the one that j- jumps out to me is uh, Stephen Smith, who will be working with the, uh, the youth levels, former player, of course. What was your uh, reaction, Gav, when you saw this news? Well, I think the first reaction was one of positivity in the sense that the club were able to focus, you know, were focusing on the kind of youth department because, you know, during this coronavirus pandemic, you've been reading about, you know, clubs close to home, like maybe Hibs, who are, you know, cutting back in that, you know, that's the kind of first to go. You know, Hibs, who had a kind of, you know, a renowned youth academy for producing some top talent. We read today, you know, that Sunderland are considering the same. I think they let their academy manager go down south. And I'm sure there'll be many other clubs, you know, where when they're looking to cut back. And it would be, you know, it's a, it's a shame to see it because, we, you know, we love to see, you know, young homegrown talent coming through. So that was the first impression, was it, you know, good to see that they are kind of making changes there and putting that emphasis on that. I think the Peter Lovenkrans one came as a bit of a surprise. His exit, everything you'd heard about him was positive. I think a promotion probably seemed more likely than a departure. But he's been touted, you know, for a few top team, you know, manager jobs, St. Johnson and Kilmarnock. Uh, maybe he's got ambitions that are, are higher than youth level. Uh, but Kevin Thompson, I think, is one that you knew just from speaking to as a player that he was he, somebody was likely to go into coaching, intelligent, a thinker. It's a good step up for him. I think, I think many fans even maybe see him as a, a, a potential future manager of the club, and he's never hidden that desire. He's certainly not short on ambition. He never was as a player, and that's the same as a coach. Um, Brian Gilmore, I know him a wee bit, you know, really good guy. He might not have played at the same level as, as Kevin Thompson, but he's very highly rated. And, of course, he was involved in that Alcas International Cup success uh, a couple of years ago. Um, Stephen Smith, I, I think it's important. I think it's always important at that at that level that you've got people who who know the club, have played at the club, you know, they, can, they know what it means. They can pass that on to, to young players. And the other one that actually jumped out, Johnny, you know, maybe that didn't get as many headlines, but the guy Cameron Campbell, I thought that was an interesting one, formerly of Aberdeen, and went to Africa to work in the Right to Dream initiative, giving youngsters, and uh, I think it was based in Ghana, uh, giving uh, youngsters a chance to get a tie-up in Northland and um, Denmark, haven't they? So I think overall, I think it was it was pretty positive, and as I say, important that the club are focusing in that area. Andy, yeah, I mean, I just think it was a it's a positive step for the club. I mean, it, I mean, I think it's it's, it's not been a, a topic that hasn't been sort of covered over the last few years. Just you know, the sort of meagre products that have come out of the Rangers Academy over the last you know decade. I mean. Obviously, there was a few guys get a sort of a chance to to play uh, during the, the time the club spent in the lower divisions. But you know, if you're really talking about the last sort of crop of genuine quality sort of players that were produced, I mean, you're you're sort of going back to the sort of Charlie Adam, Alan Hutton, Alan McGregor sort of era. That was the last time that you had a sort of glut of you know players who have come on to be you know you know proven internationals quality players. Um, so obviously this this. This rejiggle, um, if you want to call it that, at, at, um, in Murray Park is, is an attempt to try and, um, you know, 
increase that conveyor belt of talent and, and get it working again. Um, it's something that Rangers definitely need to, to try and um, strive to do uh, on a more consistent basis. I mean, you know, Celtic have, have over the years have, have been able to bring players in, you know, get them a wee bit of experience and shut them on for a profit. Um, and that's, that's what, you know, if Rangers are, it goes into that whole um, philosophy we've spoken about before in, in previous pods about, you know, signing players, you want to sign them for cheap and, and move them on for a profit. And it goes for your youth academy as well. You want you want to be pushing your own guys. It's the cheapest way of doing it effectively. And, um, you know, you, you just look at, across the continent, clubs like Ajax and, and other places have really made... Uh, that part of their business model, and I, I think that'll be what something the Rangers are striving to do. I mean, even since Steven Gerrard came in, there hasn't been all that many players that have sort of made the step up from the academy. And um, it'll be something that the club, obviously Ross Wilson, that's part of the reason why he was brought in. It was just to try and you know, de- you know, that, that development of the club across all, all departments. Yeah, one of the things that they're trying to do, Gav, is make the link between the Rangers' second team, the Rangers B team, as it is now known and that first team with Steven Gerrard and his coaching staff more linked. Uh, one of the things Rangers have been talking about, and, and I think every big club talks about, is the player pathway. Yeah. And well, they have to make sure that that is clear for a young player who is coming in to Murray Park with the potential of signing a deal, that he is able to say, I can see a pathway into that first team football. Well, definitely. I mean, well, the man in charge knows better than anyone. I mean, Stephen Gerrard, he did it himself at Liverpool and, and for so many coming through. I mean, even even I mean, Liverpool just won their first league in 30 years and guys like, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold and all that, you know, have been part of that squad and, and they even talk about Stephen Gerrard still, you know, to this day that he is the guy who's held up is the kind of a bit like the sort of you know the Barry Ferguson of Rangers, mm. and that that is definitely that you need to see that, and it hasn't been all that evident in recent years. Although we have to remember where the club you know where the club went, you know um, there, were, there was a devastating impact after the financial collapse in uh, 2012, and probably felt no greater than at you know those levels, you know youth. Uh, the youth department, but that's part of the rebuild, and I think Stephen Gerrard said that when he came in, that youth was really an, a really important area for him, and and now we need to sort of start seeing evidence of that. Yeah, well, we're going to move on now to a couple of questions that we've got in from uh, fans who've uh, messaged me here. Um, first one is a bit of a left field one, Andy, but I'm going to throw it at you unprepared. So oh, cheers. <laughs> get ready for this curveball. It's from GJE, and he's asking. Would Tom Huddleston be a good signing for Rangers? He is available on a free, I believe. Now, I, saw, Hutt- I saw that tweeted last night, Johnny. Oh, right. You're ready for it. So I had a look last night when you invited them. So there was two that came out. I saw one was about a change of system. The other one was Tom Huddleston. So I, I had to frantically Google. Well, I didn't have to frantically Google. I, I knew he'd been released by... Um, uh, I knew he'd been released by uh, Derby, and but it was funny just just looking back, you know, like I mean, I, I knew he'd been capped for England, but I never realised it was as far back as that time when Stephen Gerrard was playing. So somebody that Stephen Gerrard will know, having played alongside him for England the way back in 2009 and then 2010 before the South Africa World Cup, no doubt a top, you know, he's definitely a top player, obviously, plenty of experience. But I mean, at 33. 
you know, you're, you're, you're talking about a short-term signing and it's big wages. It comes back to that thing about, you know, are you just getting a team to win the league this season or are you making signings, you know, in terms of, you know, sell-on and all that kind of thing? You know, if it was just to, if it was just to come in this season, then, of, you know, it'd be good signing, but you'd be talking big wages and I'm just not entirely sure it's a position that, you know, Rangers would be prioritising. No, that's, that's what I was going to say, Gav. I mean, he's going to come in there and he's going to be looking to compete with likes of Ryan Jack, uh, Steve Davis, Glenn Kamara, Joe Aribo, Scott Arfield. I mean, to honest, I don't see that as being a position that Rangers really need to focus on quite as much. Um, this summer, I think they've got other priorities, centre-half, perhaps another striker, certainly uh, the, the wider positions. Um, you know, so a guy at 33... Days are best behind him come up for one, you know. You've seen the impact Jermaine Defoe's had, but I think he's a special case. I don't think Rangers really need to be going out looking to, to sort of bring in sort of has-beens, for want of a better word, uh, from, from the English Championship. Huddleston's a good player, but he's a low-lying defensive playmaker. <laughs> and he plays the game at a low tempo, so he doesn't really fit with this high-energy, aggressive yeah. Rangers style. Um, maybe you know ten years ago, but any Spurs days, perhaps you might have thought about it. But it, he's really. a lovely, laconic player to watch. Great passer, moves the ball well. I think would be really suited to Italian football. But doesn't if you look at that Rangers squad, you've got Stephen Davis who's playing in that <coughs> the lowest lying position in that midfield, and if he doesn't play, Glenn Kamara plays. So you can't really see Gerard wanting a third player to sit and do that role. It just seems a bit. Uh, it's not where the money needs to be spent. The next question is, um, as Gav's already alluded to, this yeah. from Rangers Bants. Do you think Rangers need to look at a different system for the upcoming season? Obviously, the, the club has stuck to this 4-3-3 variant with the two deep-lying 10s rather than the... the sorry, the two um, uh, left and right 10s <laughs> yeah. rather than this traditional 4-3-3 with wingers. Yeah. Do you think that's going to stick for next season, Gav? Well, I think... I mean, I think Andy sort of touched on it earlier, didn't he? About you know the, the responsibility to find a system that you know helps Morelos out. You know, like if it's not working, then you need to um, you need to you need to be able to adapt. And I think that's where I would have I would have slightly worried this season because you know since the lockdown, you know you forget sometimes you know where where the season you know how teams and were performing. Or it just seems so long ago. But, you know, in those games leading up to, you know, the football shutting down, you know, a lot of fans were complaining about, you know, Stephen Gerrard not, you know, mixing it up a bit and being far too rigid. And and if you start this season, you know, like that and yeah, a couple of results don't go your way, you know, you're not going to... You know, fans aren't going to be patient because they're going to say, "God, well, you know, we said that last season, we said that last season, and you're still." So I think, despite not winning anything in these first two seasons, you know, Stephen Gerrard seems to have the faith of the backing of the majority of the fans. But I think it comes on the condition that he, that he shows he's learned from his first two campaigns, and that was one of the biggest bugbears. I think that lack of flexibility. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think, especially it's sort of after the the New Year break. The sense that Rangers just become a bit predictable. I mean, yep. you just knew yep. that uh, 
for, if you're an opposing manager, you thought if you can just get bodies behind the ball, then mm-hmm. you're going to frustrate Rangers because they'll just pass the ball to death or they'll run into blind alleyways and and they themselves will get frustrated. Um, I mean, even Celtic sort of tried that at Ibrox in the first Old Firm game of the season and it worked well for them. It wasn't that you, you know Celtic usually come out and dominate the ball and they, they just decided to sort of you know retreat you know 20 yards back towards their own goal and sat in, soaked up all the pressure and, and hit Rangers twice in the break. So there was always that sense that if you were prepared to sort of take your chance and frustrate Rangers, then you would get your you would get your opportunities. So Rangers yeah. need to find a way that they can be more. Uh, penetrative, especially yeah. when teams are, are sort of um, you know willing just to sit in and and you know sit in their own side their own box and, and defend for their lives. Yeah, the other game that springs to mind for me, Andy, was um, it was up in McDermott Park in February. It was a flat first yeah. half. Barry came on at half time. Yeah. I know it's, pro- it's probably a bad example because they ended up they didn't win the game, so maybe it sounds a bit daft, but. That was the game because Camberry came on at half time and he sparked him into life with him and Morelos. You know, had fans were crying out for, you know, let's play two up front, let's yeah. play two up front. So, you know, there have been signs there. Um, and I think we had you obviously now coming permanently. You know, I think everybody would almost agree that that number 10 role in behind is, mm-hmm. is where you get the best out of him rather than feel he's maybe feels a wee bit wasted out wide. So, I certainly like to see him in a prolonged run. Sort of, you know, one back behind a striker and just yeah. through the through the centre of the park. I mean, definitely, as you say, um, out wide. I mean, I just, the thing about Hadji is, I think he's got all the tools, all the the skills, passing range of passing. One thing I don't think he's he's blessed with is, you know, rapid pace. And I think if he did have that, he probably wouldn't be at Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you can probably get more out of him through the middle, sort of looking to pick those passes. Cause, mm-hmm. You know, some of the some of the balls he's playing. I mean, I think back to Braga away. I mean, yeah. he was absolutely sensational that night. Just mm-hmm. you know, one mm-hmm. touch, looking up, finding a, a jersey and, and playing the pass. So um, that would be something I think would be quite exciting for for the majority of Rangers fans getting a look, a proper look at him in that sort of proper playmaking role. So Gavin, like, Gavin, Gavin, I'm going to give you the last word here. Uh, is the, is the answer to this? not perhaps a 3-5-2, given that that would allow Hadji to play in behind two strikers. It gives you more bodies in that box against tight packs, defences. Rangers yeah. have two natural wing-backs in Tavernier and Barisic who can come up and down and throw balls yeah. into the box. And now Bassi, when Barisic is injured, or, sorry, when he's unavailable, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Or, or, or a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-1-2 with Hadji in behind as a centre. I don't know, maybe one of these... The, the, the one thing I would say about playing with two up front is, and this goes back to Alfredo Morelos, I, very rarely have I seen him showing any inkling to want to have a partner. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. Going, going right back to the days where he was paired with Jason Cummins when he just refused to pass the ball to him. So, I've never, you know, it just does not seem like a guy, I mean, even the other occasion you've seen him up front with Defoe. Yep. He just doesn't seem like a guy who enjoys having somebody else there, perhaps yep. crowding them out. So if you are going to go with two up front, then that's something that will perhaps need a wee bit of work. You know, yeah. he's, he's a guy who just likes sort of having that that run of himself up there to, to sort of run the show. But um, good point, Andy. Right, yep. we're going to call it a day there. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you want to continue the debate, you can. We are all on Twitter, of course. I'm at Johnny R McFarlane. Um, Gav is at Gavin Berry DR. Andy is at Andy Newport PA. It'd be great if you could go online and give us a five-star review at 
iTunes. That allows us to get the podcast to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening. Let your body